Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, film geeks. Today's class is all about Elemental. Has Pixar redeemed itself? Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. Now, I know I told y'all I do an episode on Transformers and try to get it to y'all by 6 p.m. last Friday. Look it. Hear me out. So for those who don't know, I did VBS last week. VBS is Vacation Bible School. For those who don't know, it's what a lot of churches do at the beginning of the summer, right after school gets out for their youth. And when I say youth, I'm talking about their fifth grade and under. So from like pre-K to fifth grade, it's a week long thing they do for those kids. And it's a lot of fun. It's so cool. We had like a camping theme. And my job at VBS was watching babies. So watching staff kids and um, volunteer kids. And when I say babies, I mean baby babies. My kids were under the age of two. And that's who I spent pretty much the entire time with. Now, VBS itself, Monday through Friday, was like 9 a.m., to 12 but I got there early so I would get there at like 7 a.m and some days I wouldn't leave until like 2 30 3 30 because in addition to watching volunteer kids who would leave at about 12 I was also also watching staff kids who sometimes wouldn't leave until the end of their normal work day so yeah that that was my week last week so by the time I got home from all of that I was just exhausted I was so tired and then you know as per usual when you you know kind of work yourself like that for a very long physically like that um you get you might get a cold and I did I got a little cold uh just was kind of knocked out Saturday recovered a bit Sunday I had a headache I went back to church and you know served in children's church like I normally do and got to Monday and I was still just kind of like flat out. I was just not with it. (laughs) So yeah, we just said, you know what, we're just going to leave the Transformers on Instagram and TikTok. There's really not much more to say to it than that, to be honest with you, but we're back on our regular schedule, sort of. So Today, we are talking about Elemental. You're also going to get an episode on the blackening, and it'll probably pop up right after this one. And then we're going to talk about what next week is going to look like. So stay tuned to the end for that one. Now, Elemental. 
Okay, Pixar, right out the gate, almost a year to the day after Lightyear released. So kind of recap. So I didn't actually see Lightyear. I wasn't interested. I was, I want to say eight or nine when the first Toy Story movie came out. So I have grown up with Pixar. I remember life before Pixar. And I remember when Toy Story came out. And I remember this sense of just awe about the animation. We've never seen anything like it. I imagine this was this is what it must have been like for people watching Steamboat Willie for the very first time in the 20s. You know, seeing something so new and so crazy come to life like that, seeing that kind of digital animation for the first time was just, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. It was mind-blowing. It was world-changing, world-shifting. It was industry-shifting. It, it changed the industry. There was no going back after that, unfortunately, because once Toy Story came out, the kind of notion of 2D animation started to die out. Now, Disney tried to bring it back, you know, kind of a nostalgic effort for The Princess and the Frog, but I think part of that was to prove a point. I don't think that was as genuine and heartwarming and wholesome and sweet as they made it out to be. I think they were honestly trying to prove a point that TD. Anim- 2D animation and TD. 2D animation didn't have the same kind of flair. Now I'm getting on a, on a little tangent. So I grew up with Toy Story, right? I've seen the first three. I have no desire whatsoever to see the fourth one. The, fir- the, th- the third one was kind of traumatizing, honestly. That ending was so unnecessary. But yeah, so when they announced they were doing a Buzz Lightyear, you know, prequel at first I was like oh cool that sounds interesting but then I saw the animation for it and I was like no that doesn't look like Buzz Lightyear like I understand the premise behind it it's supposed to be this is the movie that inspired the toy but I'm like that doesn't look like Buzz you know I've had the same Buzz for what 20 years 20 plus years at this point he's always looked a certain way and so now you're gonna give me this Buzz that looks a little bit different I I just wasn't quite with it I couldn't quite jive with it and they decided not to use Tim Allen's voice. Instead, they used uh, Chris Evans, you know, um, Captain America. We all love Christopher Jamal Evans. And we, that's not his real middle name. It's, it's a TikTok joke. But we all love Chris, Chris Evans, right? Love him to death. He's wonderful, sweet, wholesome. We love him, right? But he's not Buzz Lightyear. And I think that was kind of the undoing for a lot of people. So number one, it was a movie that nobody asked for. Number two, the animation looked very different from what we're used to with respect to Toy Story and Buzz Lightyear. And number three, it wasn't his voice. So ultimately, it just wasn't Buzz. And then Disney decided to stick their foot in their mouths by talking about the gay kiss that's in the movie. I think this this scene is like maybe barely a second long, but Disney made a big stink about it, which was a mistake on their part. If you're going to sneak something like that into a movie, a children's movie in particular, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. You already have people out here screaming at the top of their lungs. They're after our kids. They're coming for our kids. They're trying to indoctrinate our kids. Don't give them a reason to be right. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but I'm saying don't give them a reason. Why would you do that? Disney can't seem to figure it out or learn anything. You had Lightyear that decided to, you know, stick its foot in its mouth and think, oh, we're just going to push this little agenda here and it's going to get us so much money. And it didn't. They lost $100 million on that movie. And then you had Strange World or Stranger World that came out around November, which they did no marketing for. None. I Remember, y'all, I go to the movies every single week. Now, from about August 25th, that's when the invitation came out on a Thursday. Until the end of the year, I went to the movies every single week except for one week. It was that week leading up to Halloween. I actually went back home to North Carolina for a wedding. So every week I go to the movies and I see all different kinds of movies, right? And I never saw any kind of advertisement for 
this movie. Like nothing. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, oh, new Disney movie coming out this weekend, you know, Thanksgiving week. And I'm scrolling through TikTok and I'm seeing Jake Gyllenhaal talk about his new movie. And I'm like, what do you mean Jake Gyllenhaal has a new movie out? If Jake Gyllenhaal has a new movie out, I usually know about it. But it's this new Disney film. And they just weren't talking about it. But it turns out one of the main characters, I believe, is gay. And again, this is Disney kind of trying to stick its foot in its mouth by bringing this stuff up to the surface before people even have a chance to decide, is this something I want to see? Either give them the option and be confident that people will choose you or keep your mouth shut and let people be surprised. We're not quite to the point where people want to see this stuff in children's movies. Okay, you can't force it. We may never even get to that point. But Disney again, didn't really quite learn. Then we have The Little Mermaid that came out this year and decided they wanted to announce all of the radical little changes they made. Never mind the changes in characters like Sebastian and Flounder. We can go off on how awful those look. But telling us, oh, we we changed some of the lyrics and the songs to fit a more modern audience, you know, because consent matters. Never mind the original Ariel signed her name on the dotted line agreeing that in order to get her voice back and keep her legs, she had to kiss a boy. She had to get that love, you know, first love's kiss. She knew the the mission. She was ready to go. I mean, she got a little distracted. She was 16 years old, but she knew consent was implied. It was understood. She signed her name, but instead they decided, oh, well, we're just going to take that whole part out of it. We're going to make it so that Ariel forgets about everything. And now we are going to make it so that Eric has to ask for consent. It was so unnecessary. And they had to do all of these major changes to the story just to make one line in a song make sense. And then Disney does the stupid thing by telling us before the movie comes out. They also decided they wanted to tell us before the movie came out. I didn't know this, but I looked, went back and looked. And yeah, they mentioned this, that they'd taken out pieces of poor, unfortunate souls. They took out the piece of the song where she's like, you have her looks. Your pretty face. Like, that that's the best part of the song. And my God, was I looking forward to watching Melissa McCarthy body that part. I mean, it's so sassy. It's gravelly. I just, I just wanted to see her just get into it and do it. And she didn't. And I was so disappointed. And now we have The Little Mermaid kind of creeping towards a commercial flop. It's slowly but surely creeping that way. It's looking like Disney's going to lose some money on this movie. Now we have Elemental come out. And again, y'all, I go to the movies every single week. I have been to the movies every single week this year, sometimes two times, sometimes three times in a week. I can count on probably one hand how many times I've seen the teaser trailer for Elemental. And it wasn't until I think very recently that I started seeing the full length trailer for Elemental. They really haven't been pushing this movie. They really haven't been marketing it, which makes no sense to me because last year's effort, they lost $100 million. You think you want to push this new movie, put it out there as this new grand thing. You know, we're back to the amazing, beautiful art of Pixar telling stories, yada, yada, yada. But no, there there seems to be no effort. It's like they've kind of lost themselves. I mean, Pixar's kind of going through it anyway. They um, ex-nade two of their big executives. Well, executives, I should say. OG members. So there's the guy who directed um, Lightyear last year who got laid off. He has been with the company since at least a bug's life. He has been, he's had his hand on nearly every Pixar movie since a bug's life. 
And then you have one of the producers for, for Lightyear who was laid off. And she is actually credited with saving Toy Story 2. So when they were making Toy Story 2, there's some kind of malfunction. Something happened. I'm not sure where they actually lost the film. Some files got deleted. Well, this woman was on maternity leave, had her laptop at home. Lucky for her, she still had the movie saved on her personal computer and they were able to continue. So, yeah, she's credited with saving Toy Story 2. And they let her go. So a lot of changes have been made for Disney's going through it right now. I think everybody understands this. And it's not just, you know, whatever they're dealing with with Florida. That's the least of their problems. Okay. But from a movie production standpoint, if it weren't for Marvel, if it weren't for 20th Century Fox, Disney would be in the toilet right now. They're, they're, they're not doing well. So thank God for the subsidiaries of the Walt Disney production company umbrella that are doing well, because if it was left to Walt Disney, you know, animations or Walt Disney pictures, good God, we would see the end of Disney. But now Pixar, which used to be a guaranteed moneymaker, which used to be a guaranteed award winner, is um, not doing what it's not, it's not doing that anymore. Lightyear was just such an anomaly, the way it just kind of flopped, the way it just kind of just didn't, there was no momentum once it came out into theaters. And now you have Elemental, which is gorgeous on all accounts. We're going to talk about it, I swear. Um, they're, they're not pushing it. There, there's no effort. I don't understand this. And I've, I've noticed this a lot with some movies over the last year where you'll have a movie that's just incredibly amazing and great and yet the studio has no confidence in it the movie that comes to mind is a movie called breaking with john boyega based on a true story something that happened in atlanta came out last summer incredible movie great movie now it was missing kind of a thematic center but i think it's that's kind of fine though because you know based on a true story you don't always need a thematic center sometimes it's all about a series of events but the movie was incredible it was so good john boyega honestly should have gotten oscar recognition for that role but the studio did not stand behind him nor did it stand behind the film there was almost no marketing for it if i didn't go to the movies as much as i do i never would have heard about it and now we're here at elemental so let's talk about it let's get into it what did i think and should you go see it elemental so what is it about i've had um so you know i do my tiktok and my instagram review whatever right and i've had a couple people say you know i've they read the plot and it didn't quite make sense um I'm not sure what did or didn't make sense. That sounds mean when I say it. I'm just not sure where they were coming from. But I, I the, the movie's kind of loaded. The, it, the plot is very much loaded. And we're going to talk about what all that means. So what is this movie about? This movie's about Ember Lumen, who is a fire element. She lives in Element City, where fire, water, land, and air elements all live together. Her and her family live in Firetown. Now, Firetown kind of reminded me of like a Chinatown. Very much a Chinatown. I think that was, if I had to guess, I'd say that was the inspiration behind it. And they own their own little store kind of slash restaurant where they sell different goods and snacks. And her parents are immigrants. So she's, guess, you know, first generation elemental or whatever the, you know, denim for it is. And, you know, living the American dream, wanting a better life and, you know, creating a legacy for their daughter, Ember. And she's dreaming of the one day where her father will retire and he will leave the store in her hands. You know, he keeps saying, you know, when you're ready, when you're ready, when you're ready. And she's 
always trying to prove herself to be ready, but her temper keeps getting in the way. She has these explosive episodes anytime she interacts with a customer or, you know, learning how to connect with people. Very much this girl with kind of a, I can do anything independent kind of attitude. I, I almost, I, it took me a minute to kind of get to liking her, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Now, this building's old. She's got a temper. And because of her temper, she ends up busting some pipes, letting in water into the building, which is not good because, again, this is fire town. These are all fire elements. The last thing they want to do is get in touch with water. And that's how she meets Wade. Wade is a water element and he's a bit of a sap. He cries a lot and he's very sentimental and just... um we're going to talk about all of that in a minute because I had a lot of gripes with the way they frame these characters a bit. Yes, it's a children's movie. I had so many people say that to me about The Little Mermaid. I'm like, it's a children's movie. Like, why are you looking? Like, have you never read an, an, a film review before? But anyway, I'm griping. So they meet and it turns out he's a city inspector. And while he's there, sad, and he's like, oh, no, I have to write citations because of the pipes and the system. And oh, my gosh, he did all of these, you know, renovations without a permit. And so now he has to turn in all these citations to City Hall and her shop might get shut down. But then he's kind of confused, like how he ended up there in the first place. Turns out there's this big leak that's coming from somewhere. And that's why he was kind of sucked into the pipe in the first place, because he's been trying to investigate where this leak is coming from. And she ends up making a deal with some big boss lady named Gail, who is a cloud. I, I love the little subtle irony in here. And hey, if you can find the leak and if you can fix it, we will, you know, forget the citation. So Ember and Wade go on this kind of journey together to figure out where the leak is coming from. And on the way to kind of figure out where the leak is coming from, they get to know one another. They're spending time together. And this love st story kind of blossoms and develops. And you have Wade, who is just this really sentimental, like sappy kind of dude. And Ember, who is just very defensive, has walls up. She's got an attitude. She's, you know, I'm, you know, going to make my daddy proud kind of deal. And, you know, it's all about kind of breaking down these barriers and getting to know one another. He doesn't have to be so sappy. He can be very strong for her and, and she can kind of let her guard down and be easy. Very simple love story, right? And honestly, it's the best part of the whole movie. Now, there will be spoilers more than likely. I don't know how, you know, I, I make no promises. What gets said gets said. So spoiler alert, possibly. Now... This, the love story is the best part of the movie because the direction here is just very heavy handed. Now, there are a lot of social issues they're trying to push into this movie. They re they're really trying to make this a social commentary, which Pixar has a tendency to do, but they usually do it very, very well. Um, they usually just kind of take that social issue and make it the plot and then kind of weave little things here and there out of it. However, in this movie, the love story is the plot. And these social issues are just kind of like thrown onto the ship like barnacles and they just kind of stick out awkwardly. But truthfully, you could have taken all that extra out and just had the love story and this would have been beautiful. It would have been wonderful. It would have been simple. But no, we're in an era right now where everybody wants to force social issues into a film. You know when people talk about, you know, or they ask like, is the movie woke? I think Elemental kind of provides a good example for that. Not that this movie is super woke. I don't think so. Only in the fact that it's trying to push social issues, talking about interracial dating, um, discrimination and immigration. But I, I think this movie kind of 
it's a good example. It's a good kind of starting point to have the conversation because this is what people mean when they say, is the movie woke? What they're asking is, is this movie trying to push an agenda? Is this movie trying to teach me a lesson? Is this movie trying to do something other than entertain me? Is this movie trying to tell me that there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with the world that I live in or my worldview? Is this movie trying to preach? That's what people are asking when they say, is the movie woke? I mean, we're talking about this modern word of woke, which at one point was kind of an African-American political term talking about being, you know, aware of racial discrimination and all that jazz. But now it's been kind of co-opted as language does. That's what happens. Words don't always, you know, words get, you know, taken, changed, rearranged. That's just how language works. Right. So this word has kind of been co-opted and twisted and turned into something very, very negative. So when someone says, oh, that person is woke, what they're implying is that this person is trying to push a progressive agenda that is ultimately regressive. You know, people try to say, oh, if you're saying something's woke, you're just racist. That's just a way to avoid the conversation. But ultimately, when someone asks, well, is this woke? They're trying to push a woke agenda. Basically, they're trying to push a progressive agenda that is ultimately harmful and regressive. That's what people are saying. That's where that comes from. But I think elemental is a good way to have that conversation about woke agenda, woke ideology in film. If you want to have that conversation, because this film does what woke films do, woke films do without being woke. This movie is just trying to push normal issues that we talk about on a regular basis, but it does it in such a clumsy, ham-fisted kind of way. I mean, if you want to talk about interracial dating, you didn't really have to do too much. I mean, you have a fire element and a water element, two complete opposites. I mean, the perfect example, because you have these two elements that when they're together could ultimately destroy one another. I think that speaks for itself. You don't have to do anything with that. Just tell the story. But then you want to kind of push in this issue of immigration, which is just such a a weird little plot point that doesn't last very long. And it's just, it's annoying, but they're trying to make it important and it just doesn't work. The same thing with discrimination. Now we see that early on in the beginning and it makes sense in the beginning to see, oh gosh, that's so unfair. But then they keep trying to shove it in. And it just it doesn't work because why you have this love story that's so much bigger than everything else. So they're trying to make all of that make sense within a love story. And it it would make sense given these two characters are polar opposites. And it makes sense that they would deal with these things. But it's just too heavy and it's too much. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And it's too forced. Instead of letting the story just kind of tell itself and let these characters kind of deal with the issues as they come, they're trying to make them deal with these issues at time in moments where it just doesn't make sense. Does that make sense? It's just I hate heavy handed direction. Don't try to tell me what to think. Just tell the damn story and let me get there on my own. That's that's where I'm. That's where I'm at. So that was my only real gripe with the movie. Just the ham fisted, heavy handed direction. Now, aside from that, the movie's gorgeous. This movie is absolutely beautiful. It, it's so, this is stunning. If Out of all the Pixar movies that I've seen, in terms of just color scheme, this is probably the best color schemed, colorful Pixar film that I have seen in a very long time. In terms of animation, they've really outdone themselves. And I almost kind of hate it because the story is just too damn heavy for how pretty this movie is. Honestly, they should have just made it story light. They, they're trying to do too much at once. I think I've talked about this before. Where if you're going to have a story that's visually heavy, you need to make your story light. Avatar is like that. Avatar, James Cameron's good with this as Avatar because he has a, um, a movie that is visually heavy, visually heavy. And the story is incredibly light. The story does not over, overshadow the visuals. Sometimes you have to make a choice. What do you, what are you trying to showcase here? Are you trying to showcase the visuals? Or are you trying to showcase the story? And in that case, you, you kind of have to find a balance here, but the story is just too, too damn heavy that the visuals just kind of fall by the wayside. It, it's they're, they're trying to put too much in your head and they're not trying to let your eyes breathe. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Another movie that's kind of like that would be the Northman from last year, um, which is visually heavy. A visually heavy film, but a very light story. And it just kind of balances out. A lot of people didn't like, I love that movie. I'm obsessed with that movie. Oh, I could watch it over and over. I love that movie. But this movie tries to do too much at one time. It tries to maintain the visual heaviness, the visual spectacle that is this movie, while maintaining a very heavy storyline. And it's just too much. It's too bloated. But it's visually stunning. It's beautifully done. The animation is so crisp and so clear. It's just, oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I, I feel like in terms of animation, Pixar is figuring, it's starting to refigure itself out. They're getting back to who they are. But story-wise, it seems Pixar is struggling. It seems Disney in general, when it comes to storytelling, they're struggling. They've lost the simplistic magic that made Disney so amazing because Disney understood, you know, it was all about the animation, the magic of the animation. The story was just kind of there to move the animation along. I think Disney's kind of lost that a bit. But I, I feel like maybe they can get back. I'm looking forward to Wish in the fall. I feel like maybe Wish, maybe Wish can do it because that's a visually heavy film. I can, we'll have to talk about my re reaction to that trailer another time. But yeah, so movie is visually gorgeous. 
the story is just incredibly heavy. I mean, that's really all I can say about that. Now, I mentioned how the characters were, there was, I had some gripes with the way they did the characters. Just hang on tight. I, I, that, that involves a rant. So just buckle up, buckle up. Okay, so this rant is not going to take super long, but I'm just kind of sick of seeing this in a movie. I'm really sick of the way men and women are being portrayed in film. I'm sick and tired of seeing women being portrayed as hyper-masculine and then trying to push that on me as if that's a good thing. As a woman, now here's the thing. You have a different language with respect to masculinity and femininity. It all depends on the context of the conversation, right? What are you talking about? Are you talking about the way women dress? Are you talking about the way women, you know, are you talking about behavior? But when it comes to being in your masculine, and that's the thing with Ember, is that she She's in her masculine. This is very relationship kind of language um, where it's, it's hyper independence. You know, she has walls up. She's tough. She's got an attitude because she's put people at a distance, but yet she's struggling to kind of bring people in. This is a woman in her masculine. And usually that's a sign that a woman is kind of just not healthy. And I'm saying this as someone who lives like that a lot is someone who is always in her masculine, someone who's always kind of in survival mode, someone who's always, you know, ready to go to war, ready to fight, ready to have it out, ready to defend themselves, you know, trying to push off this idea that being that way as a woman is such a good thing. And it's really not, it's kind of unhealthy. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. I think about the movie, the invitation, I honestly just need to do an, a podcast episode on the movie, the invitation as much as I gripe about that movie. I just need to get it done. Now they tried to push this woman Evie on us as this, you know, protagonist who is in her masculine, very hyper independent, has an attitude. And we're supposed to just follow behind her. Like she's the Holy grail. She's the one we're supposed to be rooting for but honestly from the get-go she's very unlikable and I think number one because we're sick of seeing women like that number two a lot of women are like that and they don't like it themselves and then to see it on tv it just makes it look even worse but I'm just kind of sick of that I'm sick of you know people just kind of dismissing the feminine aspects of womanhood not just the way that we dress but even in our behavior the way we we relate to other people some of the things about us naturally that are just wonderful as women that are kind of just stripped from characters in film and television I'm sick of it and then you have this beta male literally wet fish of a man Wade. Now he starts to come out of that and he starts to gain a little bit of strength, but I'm sick and tired of seeing men who are kind of feminized in film being praised and then men who are masculine being demonized. I'm tired of it. I'm tired. I'm tired of it. I'm trying. I'm tired of that's when I, when people are talking about woke, that's another thing. Trying to push this idea that women as they are, it's a bad thing. And men as they are, it's a bad thing. And if we can just switch them a little bit, that would be golden. No, that's how society gets unhealthy. When you strip women of what they are and what makes them amazing and you strip a man of who he is and what makes him amazing. That's why society is the way it is right now, because we're trying to run from what's innate and what's natural. Does this mean women are supposed to be in the home? No, I can't cook to save my life. I do just enough to feed myself. I don't know how I would ever do as a stay-at-home wife, but I know the nine-to-five life, I can't stand it. But there's something about being a woman that's just innately feminine. Now, I know some of y'all think, well, I'm not a feminine. No, it is. I'm not saying you're a feminine woman in terms of the way you express yourself, but there's something innately feminine about us that just makes us special. The same thing with a man and his masculinity. Now, we all have aspects of femininity and masculinity, but there's something about the 
woman femininity that's just so unique and so special. And there's some, and Hollywood just hates it. And I'm kind of sick of it. Honestly, that's the end of my rant. I'm done. I swear. I'm charging you all who listen to this to help me come up with a name for this little piece of the podcast. So I proposed a question on my Substack last night, right before I saw Elemental, asking parents, what are the questions you want answered before you buy a movie ticket or rent a movie? Because I've been doing these movie these movie reviews for quite a while now. And I always get questions from parents asking, you know, is this, in a, is this appropriate for my kid? Is it inappropriate? How would a five-year-old enjoy this? Stuff like that. But truthfully, because I am a singleton, I don't have children, this is not something I regularly think about. But I do want to be a resource for my audience because a lot of my audience are, you know, conservative married families with children. So this is stuff that matters to them. And a lot of the content that I do push is helpful for parents, I think anyway. Um, At least that's what they tell me. (laughs) So I I don't see why my movie reviews should be any different. So I really wanted to dedicate just a special little segment for parents who are wondering, is this going to be appropriate for my child? So I need to call this something. I needed to have its own little name because I'm weird like that. So is this movie appropriate for children? Last I checked, this movie was rated PG, directed by Peter Son. Um, yep, it's PG for thematic elements, some peril, brief language, uh, voiced by Leah Lewis, Mamadou Afi. I'm pretty sure I mispronounced my name. I apologize, sir. And Peter Son, if you don't know, directed The Good Dinosaur. He also directed a Pixar short called uh, Partly Cloudy. So he's very familiar with the Pixar culture and the Pixar culture for as long as I've known. Because remember, I grew I have grown up with Pixar. I remember like before Pixar is that they've always had very colorful, beautifully animated films that are great for families, great for children. Yet they tend to carry, you know, kind of heavy storylines, something that's... um relatively universal, something that both adults and children can relate to, yet it's presented in a way that a child can ingest it properly. And it's going to do what it does. So, you know, you have Toy Story, which talks a lot about, you know, rejection and change and, you know, losing things and stuff like that. And, you know, not feeling as important and self-confident, stuff like that, stuff that kids can relate to, but it's not so heavy handed. It's not, you know, pushed to them in a way that they couldn't understand. It's told in a way that they can understand. Pixar has been very good at that. Now, Pixar has been on the struggle bus the last, what, two years with Lightyear. And now we're, we're waiting to see how Elemental does. This story, I think, is part of that struggle from Pixar because, again, like I said, it's visually beautiful. I think it's visually stimulating enough for a child, but the story is just so overloaded and bloated with the pushing of these social elements, racism, discrimination, immigration, and racial dating. So some of that a kid's not going to care about. Um, a big question that I got from a parents is like, will my five-year-old or will my, you know, four-year-old be able to sit through this? Honestly, I don't know. Now, if you ask me about Super Mario Brothers, yeah, your kid could totally sit through that. Um, Little Mermaid, it depends. Can your child sit for two hours and 15 minutes? I don't know. Uh, but this movie, because the story is so overloaded and bloated, I'm not exactly sure how your kid will respond. The movie's not relatively long. It says it's about an hour and 50 minutes, but it's it's a little bit shorter than that. I, I would say we're, we're, we're a little bit, little bit shorter than that. So it's it's long enough for your kid to sit through. It's colorful 
colorful enough to keep their attention. The characters themselves are animated and bubbly and engaging enough to for them to really just kind of, you know, follow their journey. But in terms of the story, I think it really depends on the maturity of your kid, whether they're going to like really take it in or it's going to go over their heads. Either way, it makes good table conversation at McDonald's when the movie is over. God, I miss those days. I just had a whole flashback. But anyways, so yes, the subject matters themselves are very kind of adult matters things that kids really don't think about too much unless your kid is you know the child of an immigrant then that's something they can directly relate to right or you know your child is biracial or your child is dating someone or interested in dating someone who is of a different race so unless it's something like that I I, I, it's kind of it might go over your five-year-old's head but they're going to be enamored by how just gorgeously beautiful this movie is I think I was and I'm very much a child at times Now, in terms of language, because it does say, you know, a little bit of language, it's not, there's no bad words in the movie, but there are some kind of insinuations, a little innuendos that are kind of cute that would make your child laugh. So instead of saying, you know, ass, they say ash, you know, sitting on your lazy ash. It's funny. It's funny. And I think your kid would probably get a laugh out of it, but it's up to you, the parent, to decide is that appropriate or not for your kid. But it's such a minor thing. I I don't think that should be a reason to say, I'm not going to see this movie. Now, in terms of violence, there's no violence. There's no fighting or anything like that. You know, brief arguments here and there. This movie is actually very family positive. And I know that's something a lot of families have been searching for movies that are family positive. That's not going to encourage their child to disrespect their parents. Right. And this movie especially is very dad honoring. This movie really honors dads, which makes sense to me why it would come out this weekend, you know, Father's Day. I can't believe they didn't push that and they didn't market that because this this movie really does honor a, a dad-child relationship. You have Ember, who has a great rela- relationship with her dad. She's very much a daddy's girl. Um, her mom really is kind of a, a side character here, but it's all about her and her dad. And she loves her dad. And she wants to be just like him. She wants to run the store like him until she realizes, you know, maybe that's not my dream that's more his dream but I don't want to disappoint him I I, I want to be my own person but I, I I don't want to make him mad I want him to always be proud of me and kind of that deal right and then you have Wade who we believe it's kind of insinuated that his father has passed or he's gone somewhere and he talks about a tumultuous relationship that he had with his with his father they were like water and oil he says and he talks about how he has regrets that he didn't really express to his father how much he loved him. And then we have Ember's dad talking about how he was trying to honor his father and love his father as he was leaving their original country of fire, fireland. And his dad did not honor him back. And just the, you know, the hurt and kind of pain that he deals with that, you know, loving his father and his father not reciprocating that love. And then you have another character named Gail, who is at a windbreakers game, which is kind of a sport. I don't know. It reminded me of Quidditch. And she talks about how she loves to go to the games because it was something she did with her father. So this movie is very dad honoring if you are a father and you happen to get this far into the podcast i highly recommend taking you this this is a this is a father child kind of movie honestly i really hate i didn't mention that in my tiktok but yeah this is the i think this is a good father child father daughter father son kind of movie so if you're wanting something to do with your dad on father's day i think this will be a good movie to do I don't know. I think it will be a good movie for that. So, yeah, it's no violence, no fighting. There are some, you know, Ember loses her temper and kind of explodes a bit. 
uh, very kind of tumultuous scenes with water because, you know, the the dam is about to break kind of deal and rushing water trying to fix this leak. So kind of tumultuous scenes in that way, you know, natural disasters and whatnot, but nothing that would freak your child out too much unless they're deathly afraid of water. So yeah, I think this is a good movie for your kid. It is rated PG, so keep that in mind. Do see it with your child. It, just in case they have any questions, you're there to answer. But yeah, I would, you know, rate this um, child safe. Now I got to come up with a rating system. Why did I do that to myself? Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to me rant and rave about Pixar's latest Elemental directed by Peter Son. So just to kind of wrap it up, the story is overloaded in a little bloated, ham-fisted, heavy-handed direction, but it's visually stunning. And I think it's great for kids and families, especially for dads who are looking to do something with their kids. So what's coming up? We have The Blackening, which will be coming up right after this. I saw this right after. Literally, I didn't leave the movie theater. Actually, I did. I walked across the street, got subway, then went back. But it was all in the same parking lot. So yeah, it was a fun little afternoon yesterday. So The Blackening will be coming up right after this. I'll go ahead and mention this here and also in The Blackening because I imagine that these two different podcasts are going to attract two different audiences. So next week is going to be a little weird. I'm actually going out of out of town for those who don't know if you're brand new i live in the city of new orleans i have friends who live in oklahoma so i'm actually driving up to see them on tuesday and i'll be there until saturday i leave and i'll come back saturday so uh, there will be no episode tomorrow june is so weird y'all but june has been such an exciting movie month what i'm kind of hoping will happen this weekend is at some point i'll see the flash and maybe i can um give you a midweek episode or even a Friday episode. I think that'll be a little exciting. I don't know. That's the cross our fingers and hope. So don't expect an episode next week. I'm going to just have to find a way to get to the movies because I can't break my streak of going to the movies every week. So I might have to just do something on a Monday afternoon and just call it good. Or, you know, Sunday is still part of the week. I'll probably end up seeing something on a Sunday. And then um, we'll see what happens in the next week, y'all. So June, July starts in what? Two weeks, right? My calendar skills for June are terrible. So yeah, next week I'll be in Oklahoma. The week after that is the last full week of June. So what's coming out June 30th? If I'm not mistaken, while I have my phone in my hand, I'm pretty sure, pretty, 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 pretty sure that Indiana Jones comes out on the, yep, I was correct. So Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken is coming out on uh, the 30th. So I'll probably end up seeing those on the 7th. Now, what comes out next weekend, which I'll probably try to see on the Sunday after I come back, No Hard Feelings with Jennifer Lawrence. I love her, y'all. And Asteroid City, which I believe is a Wes Anderson film, if I'm not mistaken. I know um, Scarlett Johansson is in it. Oh, she's so pretty. It makes me sick. But yeah, so you are going to get episodes at some point for No Hard Feelings, Asteroid City. Um, I'm going to go see Indiana Jones and Ruby Gilman. Ruby Gilman, this is the thing about Disney and DreamWorks is they've had this little rivalry rivalry going on. Golly, since um, for years, whenever Disney releases something, DreamWorks has an answer, right? Right. So Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken is kind of... Uh, 
uh, DreamWorks's response to The Little Mermaid. I love it though. That that rivalry is is just wonderful, and I'm so glad to see it. <laughs> so yeah, that's what's coming up. Um, it's it's going to be a wonky kind of week. Episodes all over the place, but honestly, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I can't wait. I can't wait. So what else is coming up? So let's go ahead and while we're here, sitting here talking to one another, take a good look at June. Now, there's a movie called Sound of Freedom that's come, Sound of Freedom that's coming out sometime in July that I am looking forward to. Um, but it's going to be a limited release. So when that gets wide, you're going to hear from me. Insidious, The Red Door. Um, I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait. That comes out July 7th. So so that's July 4th week. Another movie called Joyride. It's a comedy. It does not look like anything I'd ever want to see, but I might see it anyway, because why not? Who doesn't enjoy torturing themselves? And then Mission Impossible comes out July 12th. Y'all, July is going to be such an overloaded movie week, movie month. Barbie comes out July 21st. Oppenheimer. Oh my God. That's going to be my first um, IMAX experience. Y'all, I didn't even mention. So I saw Elemental in Prime. So, you know, you have your regular digital theaters, right? At AMC, you also have IMAX and you have Prime. I didn't know it was Prime when I got the ticket. I just got a ticket for a three o'clock show because I had already gotten my ticket for six o'clock for the blackening. So I just got the three o'clock show. I didn't even look to see what kind of theater theater it was. What, what difference does it make? Because I have AMC A-list. It's not like I'm paying for tickets. So I go into it realizing this is prime and y'all it's like surround sound when i say surround sound like you can feel the bass under the seat it's a full theater experience and it made the movie that much better it the, the screen is wider and bigger and fuller and the sound oh it was such an experience but yeah, so that's what's coming up. Keep Be on the lookout for the blackening coming up right after this. I love y'all so much and I'll see you in the next episode.